And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. And the Raiders, they've got life again. They are 6-5 and five after the Thanksgiving Day win over the Cowboys. And they welcome the Washington football team to town on Sunday. Jack Del Rio versus Derek Carr, a uh, former head coach who uh, had to announce his own firing, gets to come back and see what he can do against his former quarterback. That'll be interesting. I mean, it's an interesting subplot, obviously. I mean, for Del Rio, not so much for the majority of the Raiders roster. I mean, you've got Derek Carr who played for him, Jalen Richard. You know, it, it's not it's not a long list of guys that played for Del Rio. You know, it's not like Carr is going to enter this matchup with any animosity for Del Rio as a head coach. It's a subplot with the the former coach, especially the way he was fired. And it would be even more interesting, probably, if John Gruden was still the head coach. Um, for Del Rio, I'm, I'm sure that you know, just watching that whole situation unfold was a little bit interesting for him from afar. Yeah, he took a shot at uh, at Gruden when it came out. He said it was uh, it was, it was, it was cl- classless or whatever. He definitely weighed in, even though uh, sometimes with, uh, with Jack stuff on social media, you wonder if he should... Uh, partake in such a debate about uh, appropriate <laughs> tweets. But um, yeah, I'm sure Jack's fired up. I mean, he definitely was upset about the way it was handled. Waited a while to get to the right spot. And I found it in Washington and they're doing pretty well. I mean, uh, I'm surprised they've actually done well without Chase Young. So I think that's uh, kudos to him. I'm sure he'll have some plans for, for Derek. Uh, I imagine he'll blitz a lot, though. I'm not sure that's the way to go against Derek, but it's kind of the hand he's dealt. But um, I think it's a fun matchup. I think definitely uh, both guys want to win this one for reasons besides the obvious. You see, you look at Washington, they've won three in a row. They've gotten to five and six. They actually currently occupy the number seven seed in the NFC playoffs at five and six. It was funny, their their Monday night win, because if you guys haven't checked it out, Dane Bruglier released his, uh, his first mock draft of the season on Tuesday. And uh, we had the draft of it ready to go on, on Monday. And Washington at that point was picking seventh. Their win over Seattle on Monday night actually dropped them from the seventh pick to the 20th pick because uh, it moved them from four and six all the way up to number 20. That's basically the last playoff team, uh, five and six, the number seven seed. So they have been playing better. Their defense, you know, if you look at DVOA, had its best game of the season, the first actually positive EPA, you know, for their defense on the season um, against the Seahawks. I mean, obviously we know Russell Wilson's not, not looking too hot right now, but they haven't had a great defensive season, but they have been getting a little bit better. Like you referenced, Vic, they've gotten a little bit better since they lost Chase Young. So it's interesting. They have won three in a row, so they are hot coming into this matchup. 
Yeah, I think one thing the defense did a really good job of is they cut down on giving up explosive plays. Before the three-game win streak, they were giving up eight explosive plays per game. Um, In the three-game win streak, they cut that in half. So they're only giving up about four explosive plays per game. And and one of the issues they had in their secondary, even when they had a healthy defensive line with uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, their secondary had a lot of miscommunications, and they were just blowing coverages. And that's a theme that the Raiders remember with Jack Del Rio. They they blew a bunch of coverages when really yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> and he called them eye violations, and uh, I, I think Ooh, he used eye the, I think he used the same term uh, when he's with the Washington Football Team. So, but they they cut down on on these mistakes in the secondary. But I still think there's holes in their secondary. They play a lot of zone with spot dropping, so they're just dropping to spots, and you can find holes in their zone. And missing Darren Waller in this game is huge because I think him and Carr just have a really good chemistry with finding holes in zones. But I think Hunter Renfro should be able to have a pretty uh, productive day as far as receptions. They kind of fixed some of their mental mistakes in the last three weeks, and that's been huge for them. Yeah, Carr this season, I mean, he's been pretty solid against the Blitz and you know, he shredded zone this season. So I, I wonder, you know, Jack Del Rio being familiar with him and his strengths, I wonder if he would mix that up at all um, or, or just kind of stick to his guns. Um, I know y'all are more familiar with him than me, but is he a guy that's, that's usually adapt on defense or is he pretty much doing the same thing every week? I wouldn't say he's a big adapter. I think Jack's kind of a, you know, run your head into the wall until you break the wall kind of guy. Yeah, remember, when he was with the Raiders, for the most part, Ken Norton Jr., he let the defensive coordinator call the plays. A couple times he would take over. He, he saw himself as a head coach here, as an overseer. He thought he was an offensive guy and a defensive guy. So it's not like he's you know one of the former defensive coordinators that when he was the head coach was like exclusively running the defense either. Like he was letting you know Norton make the play calls and sometimes when they would make some adjustments and he would take over, he would, he would let us know that he would kind of hint or let us know that he took over the play calls. And then when things went bad, he, he remember his famous quote, Kenny's got the headset. Yeah. But I think this, this Washington team in, in general is potential to be feisty in this one. Uh, I think obviously their best win of the three was, was the one against the Bucks. I know the Bucks are a little beat up, but they still beat the Bucks. I don't think many people when they made Tom Brady look pretty bad in that game. And, uh, I mean, the Seahawks have been, you know, kind of whatever. The Panthers have been kind of whatever. But um, I don't think you can, you know, knock their their three-game streak at all, really. I still feel like this is a game, you know, the Raiders should win in this position. I think I still think they're a better team and they're at home. But between Washington's defense hitting the groove and Taylor Heineke, he's kind of like uh, becoming a new uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick almost. It's like he, like in general, he's, he's kind of all right. But then he has these random games where he just takes over and goes crazy. And, you know, they have some pretty good – Good weapons, um, Antonio on the backfield and, and Terry McLaurin. And I know he's been a little bit beat up, but Logan Thomas is a solid tight end. And so on both sides of the ball, I mean, this Washington team uh, is definitely one that the Raiders can't overlook. Where the Washington football team is strongest is with their interior defensive line with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. And that's going to be a matchup to watch out for because, as we know, the Raiders are pretty young inside and they've kind of struggled even against the the Cowboys they gave up some interior pressure so that's something to watch out for Jonathan Allen is having all pro type of season so that's going to be a, a mismatch and I, I think the Raiders are going to have to move to pocket run some bootlegs which which they started doing more against the Cowboys but they just kept on running boots towards Mika Parsons which isn't a good idea the Washington football team defensive ends aren't as athletic as Mika Parsons not a lot of guys are so I would expect them to move to pocket with Carr. You, you'll see a little more bootleg and just move them away from the interior a little bit. 
Yeah, obviously, you, know, you look at the three-game winning streak, but if you even you take it back a little bit further with Washington, last five games, uh, they haven't allowed more than 24 points. The last four games, they've allowed fewer than 300 yards, and you take it back, the fifth game was a Packers game. They lost 24-10, but uh, allowed 304 yards. So they've been under 300 yards allowed uh, for, for four straight games and really right around it for five. They're making progress, but, I mean, this game, you know, we can talk all we want about Washington. This game comes down to the Raiders, right? I mean, they should be the better team. They're at home. They've got extra rest. They're coming off the Thursday game. Washington played on Monday night. Second time this year, the Raiders are getting that advantage of playing a team that came off a Monday night game. That was the case when they played the Giants a few weeks ago. Obviously, there was other circumstances that happened that week. That was with Henry Ruggs uh, and all that. And so the Raiders didn't play well in that game. They lost. But Washington played on Monday night and has to travel cross country to Vegas to play on a Sunday. Raiders on extra rest. Kind of look at it as a game where no excuses doesn't matter what Washington does. This is a game that the Raiders need to, to play their game and need to play well. Yeah, I agree. I think they're definitely a better team, and it's kind of a, you always use the phrase must win, but this is a game that they have to win because I think there's no excuses. Like you said, I think um, I'm not buying Taylor Heineke at all. I think um, just a guy who uh, some guys you throw in for a while, they do okay, but they always kind of return to the mean. I think there was a play last week where he threw a touchdown pass. I think threw four guys. It was a miracle pass. Everyone's like, oh, well, that's a terrible – I mean, that's a pass he never completes nine out of ten times. So, good luck with that one. I watched him against the Packers game. They made some really bad mistakes. And he's like a gritty guy who, like, you know, overachieves. But, again, those guys usually don't uh, – you can't ride that uh, that streak for long. So, I think um, they've overachieved a little bit. I think the Raiders are a much better team on both sides of the ball. How about that? Even defense. Um, so, I, like you said, I think it's a, it's a good spot for them. And if they lose – it's a freaking disaster. The last time Vic said this, they, they lost by I know. Yeah, I <laughs> how know. many points to the Chiefs, so you might be jinxing them a little bit. I'm back on the I'm a home I'm a homer, man. I'm back on the bandwagon. I love these guys. I agree. I mean, this is a game they can't keep losing. You know, whether it was, you know, the Giants loss or the Bears loss, obviously there were other things going on off the field both of those weeks, but it seems like they play down to their competition against inferior opponents when it gets later on in the season that happened last year and the year before. And, you know, the rest of their schedule, I mean, Washington, as, as of right now, they're the only team remaining on their on their schedule that has a losing record. And so there aren't any gimme games. And this isn't a gimme game. I'm not trying to say that. But all, all these matchups are going to be difficult down the stretch. So so the ones that you're favored in and you probably should win, you, you pretty much got to get those, uh, especially with how congested the AFC is as a whole. And so, you know, I, I guess we could say it's a must win every week at this point in the season. But particularly this one, like you just can't lose against a, a team that's not as good as you flat out. I'll add, I think Carter's a great job at reading defenses, preparing for stuff. So I think him going against Del Rio, he knows exactly what Del Rio's thinking, even when he's going to try and surprise him. So I would expect that mental chess match to go heavily in, in the Raiders' favor also. On the other side of the ball, going back to Tyler Heineke, he, he I mean, he, Deshaun alluded to it, but he's like a younger Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's like he'll throw prayer balls up and uh, play that kind of style. And if you guys remember what uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did to the Raiders last year against the uh, the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> but I, I think this this year's defense, they're a lot better at not giving up the explosive pass play. So, you know, as long as they don't give up those explosive pass plays and make Heineke drive long drives, I think they should be fine from a defensive standpoint. Unfortunately, they have to go against Logan Thomas, who uh, came back from injury last season, and the Raiders have not been good against tight ends. And I could see 
them trying to pick on Denzel Perriman with Logan Thomas or Antonio Gibson um, catching a ball underneath. I think both you guys owe uh, Fitzmagic an apology. Fitzmagic's a lot better than this guy. This guy's like a this guy's a rich man's Matt McGloin. 366 days ago, Taylor Heineke was unemployed. 366 days ago, he was entering COVID protocol to join the Washington football team practice squad. Like, so let's not hey, overhype man. Taylor Heineke that much. Yes, I mean, like, you know, okay. He, hey, man. He, Kurt, Kurt Warner was the, doing hey, cereal boxes hey, in the grocery hey, store, hey, right? Hey, what's that? <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Warner disrespect. We're going too far. So he's not... So he's not Ryan Fitzpatrick's legend, right uh, twin. He's, he's Kurt Warner's <laughs> twin. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, whatever. He, he's, a, he's a guy. Uh, but no, I was going to say, with the Raiders' defense, though, I will say, um, you know, the last three games, they've given up 30 points three games in a row. They hadn't given up 30 um, at all this season before these last three games. I think they're giving up 35 points on average. And so, obviously, the, the Chiefs uh, game kind of was an outlier. But even against the Bengals and the Cowboys, they gave up. A good amount of points there. And so they've been pretty solid when it comes to like, you know, yards per play allowed. It's not like they're getting gouged by, you know, a lot more yardage now or something like that. It's just they, when it comes down to those scoring opportunities, that they haven't been able to get teams off the field or they just kind of make those small breakdowns at the, at the highest leverage moments, particularly later on in games against the Bengals and Cowboys. And you would think this would be an opportunity for a bounce back game for them. The Washington offense is pretty average, both in, in the pass game and the run game. Like I said, they have some pieces, but overall, they're just like an okay offense. And so, I think if they give up another, you know, 30-something scoring output again, we have to start wondering if there's something bigger going on with the defense. The Raiders' defense has been so bad throughout the years that even when they give up 30 points, as long as they force four or five punts, we're like, oh, you know, it's okay. That's an all right defensive performance. I was surprised. It was a mailback question. that They're down to 30th now and points a lot average. I thought that was a little surprising because I watched all these games. I don't remember them being bad. I still remember them being impressive and pretty much at points in every game but clearly there have been lapses there's been penalties there's been some some late game fades so definitely overall they haven't put together a complete game yet maybe this is the game they can do that against uh, our guy Taylor Heineke I feel like they've been more opportunistic you know than in the past you know they're not great a great defense but they are somewhat opportunistic I think one, one stat I saw a couple of days ago was that I think of in terms of Fumbles by the opposing team, they've recovered 87.5% of them. Those are little things that, like, that's a lot of luck combined. You know, it's, it's a combination of luck and a little bit of skill. But, I mean, to be able to re, you don't know what which way the ball is going to bounce when you force a fumble. And the fact that they've been able to recover so many of those opposing fumbles, um, I think that's kind of one of the areas on the margins where they've been able to catch some breaks and be opportunistic that that's helped kind of maybe change our perception of them a little bit and that they kind of force those turnovers and are able to take advantage of situations. Big difference is they're not giving up plays where you're just totally scratching your head why this this guy is wide open with three guys is not near him. It's more of a talent. When they give up plays, it's more of a talent issue. Like, you know, Fasan gets picked on. He's a you know third corner or a tight end runs down the seam against Denzel Pearman. You know, it's just uh, we're just like, okay, Perriman's good against the run, but you know sometimes not great in pass defense. So I, I think that's the big difference that we've seen from the Raiders' defense that we haven't seen in the past. There's no Reggie Nelson chasing a, uh, a receiver streaking deep and we're saying what the hell's he doing or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're they're better. They're still not great, but they're better. And that's that's what we've said all along, all along right, is that as long as the offense can keep up where it's been and, you know, the offense is 
has kind of had its its starts and stops and whatnot. But as long as the offense can be as good as it's typically been, the defense just needs to be a little bit better. Yeah, where, where are they above average? Like in terms of like, I mean, obviously the two pass rushers, Max and, uh, and, and Gakwe, are probably above average. You're probably Casey Hayward's having a great year. You mentioned Perriman's done a great job against the, you know, Terms of uh, against Iran and kind of chasing down plays, but not great in, in pass coverage. He's been up, above average, but other than those four, has anyone really been above average on that defense? Maybe Trayvon Morey, Nate Hobbs, especially for a rookie, Nate Hobbs. Yeah, like those those guys have been pretty for rookies. I mean, I would, I would say they've been above average, but um, as a collective unit, it's still not like they're like some dominant defense with uh, talent everywhere. I also think you know when it comes to to Perriman and pass coverage, that's where. Not having Nicholas Moreau out there hurts you a little bit. I think he's better in pass coverage. And then, obviously, with Faceline, getting, he's been really getting picked on the last three games. Trayvon Mullen Jr., he's still out. And it sounds like he's still kind of week to week doing like some work off to the side at practice this week. But, you know, it sounds like maybe he, he won't be back till as soon as next week against um, the Chiefs. Or, but it, it does sound like there's, there's hope for him to return before the end of the season. Moreau, maybe not. But, you know, the last few games, the interesting thing with the defense is like the run defense outside of the Bengals game has been – better than it was earlier in the year. It was pretty bad, but teams are really starting to kind of find those weaknesses in their pass coverages, whether it's Faceline or Paraman or Abram. I mean, it's not a lot that Bradley can do to counter that. I mean, you don't have any alternative options for those guys, so you kind of just have to live with it and hope that the defense collectively plays well enough to get enough stops for the offense, which has had its own consistency issues. I mean, the offense has had you know, a lot of big flashes this year. They put up several 30-point games, but they also just have a bunch of sinkers. Um, where, where it seems like they can't do anything. And so, you know, even though the defense probably, when you look at like the scoring, um, it, it looks like it's much worse than the offense. I would say the offensive consistency has been more of an issue than the defense. I think uh, Faceline gets a pick this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I have no bias. I have no, uh, no bias. <laughs> no bias. You, you don't have like an interview in the can with him waiting there's to, no, there's to no, write a there's story There's no features on him. written waiting to be, be filed. <laughs> I have, uh, no. Is there a player prop on that? Can you put your money where your mouth is? I should uh, unload because if it's not this week, my future could be in trouble. My future may not ever see a lot of day if you don't get a pick this week. It does sound like this week they will have Keyshawn Nixon and Nick Witkowski back. I don't think either of those are are really impact returning players. We'll see what kind of roles either of them have, uh, but don't think we can really expect a whole lot of that out of them. Um, And like you said, Trayvon Mullen still not looking like he's going to be back. Uh, Darren Waller's week to week, and, and who was it that uh, that Basaccia told us is, is two week Moreau. to two week? Is that is that yeah. Nicholas Morrow? Is is two week to two week? I have no idea. Oh, like, I love that term. I like that man. It's like it's kind of changing your whole perspective on things. That, that's so, you know, monthly that, to buy monthly. That has that has all the makings of that. Really, was a season ending injury, and just nobody wanted to ever say it. At least they mentioned him. They don't even mention Richie anymore. Richie's kind of like been forgotten about, never, yeah. never talked about. So, you, but you said he's going to come down the the, the chimney on, on Christmas. I just threw a guy a mailbag question. The guy was obviously desperate for <laughs> Richie to come back. I figured I saw Richie being Santa Claus, but I don't know. You never cut Richie out. I know he's trying to come back, but at this point, you can't say it looks good because he's been out and set back with a calf injury. And like I said, Basaccia don't even mention him anymore. So I can't imagine he's on their radar. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We'll take questions here. We'll start with this one from Glenn C. Absent of last week's progress against the Cowboys, why is the run defense so bad? Everyone states the defensive line is strong, but that's only against the pass. I can't figure out why Raiders continually get hit with four to five yard runs. Is Jonathan Hankins the problem? We finally have a pass rush, and this guy can't can't handle that. They can't stop the run, too. Come on. Why why is this defense not just stout and the best defense ever? Obviously, you know, Ngakwe and Crosby are not uh, premier run defenders, and you can't take either of them off the field because of how good they are in the pass rush. And I mean, Hankins is a, is a good run defender, but um, next to him, I wouldn't say, you know, Quentin Jefferson or Solomon Thomas or world beaters in that department. And a lot of times, you know, since they play so much nickel, the Raiders only have two true linebackers on the field. I guess if you want to count Aram as a linebacker, but they just aren't a team that's set up very well to stop the run personnel wise or scheme wise. And so, um, I mean, they, they did, you know, limit the Cowboys pretty well. I don't, I don't remember the Chiefs going too crazy on the ground either. So they, they're, they're a little bit better than they were, um, but they're never going to be great against stopping the run. Yeah, I think it's a case of you know, pick your poison. I think they've definitely guessed with, with this crew, decide we're going to eliminate the big passing plays, we're going to get a pass rush going, can kind of contain uh, teams a little bit. And what you give up is you give up some some run plays. I think that's facing the personnel. They've done, uh, at times, better than I thought they would against the run. So I think, um, but clearly, if you're going to beat them, like Joe makes improved the other week, you keep running the ball, eventually you'll, you'll break through against this defense. Yeah, I mean, they're just very light inside you know, they're in the 4-2 a lot, and out of those six guys, only two of them are, you could say, are real run defenders, and Perriman and Hankins and the other four guys are pass-first guys, including Corey Littleton. So, yeah, they're just light inside, and that's what they choose to give up, and um, they're hoping that they can at least limit the run with, you know, making the right reads and being where they're supposed to. Um, but that's just what they, they choose to do, and, you know, yeah, the defense has been better. 
I mean, for how long have we all been saying that the NFL is a passing league? I mean, everyone wants to crown Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, as the next great defensive mind in the NFL. He's a defensive genius, and the Chargers can't stop the run. They stink on run defense. It's, it's. I think a lot of coaches in this league have, have kind of accepted that you know they're not going to stop the run as well, but they're going to really focus on stopping the pass and preventing those explosive plays and making teams go down the field and beat them. And so the Raiders aren't unique in that sense that they, they struggle stopping the run. Again, we, we've gotten into this. They, they are better, and um, you know, it's it's going to take more team building, and, and we'll see what happens with the next uh, coaching staff or, or this coaching staff or whatnot to uh, to see how much they can grow. But uh, we'll take this question from Joshua T, and this kind of plays off the question you uh, you got on the mailbag. Uh, what's Vic's take on Marcel Reese? Is it good or bad that he's poised to have so much influence on Mark Davis? And he follows up, I guess I mean to ask, in your interactions with Reese, does he seem to possess the attributes and knowledge that make him a good front office executive? I'm actually excited for him. Uh, that's a good question. I've talked to Marcel you know, a million times in his career. Um, Marcel's a very sharp guy. I think he definitely uh, he bleeds you know, silver and black. He always wears that Al Davis t-shirt even when he goes to bed at night. I think he wears that shirt. So clearly he has Mark Davis's uh, respect and, and, uh, and ear. So I think when this golfing, this whole thing goes forward and we find out what happens with the front office coaching staff, I think Marcel Reese is definitely the one guy guaranteed to have a, a role next year. How big that role is, we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, Marcel's a very sharp guy. I know, I'm know, i sure he has opinions about what can be done to improve his team, and I'm sure Mark has heard those opinions. So I think that definitely is kind of the uh, the X factor, kind of the thing underneath the surface that's, that's kind of percolating as we go on until uh, to next offseason. Anytime you have a fullback lead your organization in the 21st century, you, you got to do it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. I, I, I've never. Fullback <laughs> is the best position in football. Best position in football. I, I think Jimmy's a little biased when he when he says that. But uh, I haven't talked to Marcel, so I, I don't know what his football acumen is. But at least there's a football person helping out, you know, Mark Davis with these decisions. As opposed to what? As opposed to a Hooters waitress? Like, who else would be having. What does that mean? No, it's a P- <laughs> P.F. Chang wait- waiter. P.F. Chang, come on. Get, can't bad. get updated my, with your references, Nick. You're stuck in the past. All right, question from David A. Do we think 10 wins is what it will take to be a wild card team in the AFC, or will one team get in with nine wins? I think there's so many teams jumbled up with already at six or more. I think 10. I don't think you – I think in the NFC, nine probably gets you in. In the AFC, I, I just I, – I don't think you can – expect to get in with fewer than 10. Yeah, I think it's 10, uh, especially like when you consider like some of the tiebreakers and teams that the, for the Raiders specifically, some of the teams that they've lost to, their division record could factor into that if it's a team like the Broncos or Chargers that they're, they're, they're jockeying for position with. But to be like safe and, and or as safe as you can be and, and feel comfortable about your chances, I think they have to get to 10. I think there's a, a path to getting to 10. It won't be easy, but I think if they end up with nine, I think they'll fall a little bit just short. Yeah, I agree. I think 10's a, 10's a number. A question from Matthew G. If Derek Carr catches a touchdown in the Mariota package, what's his celebration move? I don't know. He's a fist pump guy. He's got to have something better than that. Like That's that's when you throw the touchdown. you got to have something better for catching a touchdown. I think he'll surprise people and dunk the ball on, on the goalposts. Uh, that's a risky move for Maybe him. Maybe he'll like <laughs> find whoever the DB was and, and do like the little come here thing that he was doing to, to Trayvon Diggs. 
Nah, see, that's that's hey, a 15 it's a yarder. Touchdown though. still, right? That's a 15 yarder. Kind of, some kind of like a Kobe tribute. You could like do a little, a little Kobe jumper or something like that, fadeaway jumper or something. I don't know. It's a big Kobe guy. Fadeaway jumper would be would be a little little safer for him than trying to dunk on the the goalpost. Wow, questioning his athleticism. Wow, might have some hops, man. See, if he's listening to this this pod, he's definitely gonna do it now. Good. Let's see him try. <laughs> I'm all, we're all for encouraging people to try stuff that uh, they could lead to entertainment. It's all fun and games, but uh, you don't want Mariota throwing a ball at Derek Carr against a cornerback. That's just not – I don't want that to happen. So it's hopefully it's a different player to have in mind. Two kind of fantasy-related questions, again from Matthew G. Is Foster Moreau a top, top five fantasy tight end with Waller out? And what's your over-under on Deshaun Jackson yards and touchdowns for the rest of the year? So let's start with, with Moreau. Nah, I wouldn't say top five. It's a little strong. Top ten, yeah. maybe. I, you know, I don't think top five. I mean, even even Waller has kind of you know has been varied in his production this year. I mean, he's still a top five tight end, obviously. But I mean, what uh, Moreau had sixty six yards receiving and a touchdown the last time Waller didn't play. So I mean, that's I think anybody would take that out of their tight end. Um, you know, is that top five in any given week? Possibly, um, probably, but. He's a startable tight end. Yeah, like top 10. Top 10 sounds fine. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're playing a PPR league, I-, I could see him getting a bunch of underneath reception against this Washington's own defense. All right, and then Deshaun Jackson. Six games left. He's coming off of a three-catch, 104 yards touchdown against, uh, against the Cowboys. So six games left, 300 yards. Are we ask him just for like his Raiders touchdowns, three stats, touchdowns? Or like his overall season? Like, yeah, over, under, uh, for the rest of the year. For the rest of the year. So over the next six games, three sixty-four and four and a half touchdowns is the line. You guys go over or under? Uh, I go under on both. Three sixty-four. Three hundred. What did I say? Three hundred sixty yards and four and a half touchdowns. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good line. I'm going over on both. I go under. Wow, five five TDs. Five TDs. I'll go. I'll go over. I'll go over on the yards, under on the TDs. I'm going to say four TDs and like four hundred yards. Wait, how many touchdowns? Four and a half is the line set. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Jimmy. I, I think if he goes over on the yards and under under on the touchdowns. All right, final question, Daniel M. What steps are being taken to help Rich Bisaccia better handle clock management and situational calls? He seems to struggle in those areas. Same steps as before. I think that <laughs> the structure, the, I mean, they've got a structure in place, and it's just a lot of times it's about, the, I mean, there's one guy that has to make those quick decisions, and you know they've got um, they've got their analytics guys up top that kind of weigh in. But it's not like you have two minutes to sit there and debate every decision. And for a guy who's been coaching this long and has never had to be the one that makes that decision, it's, it's a little bit of a new territory for him. So I think it comes down to experience. I think you you would hope that this was a learning uh, in a moment for him, a teaching moment and he's like you said he has there's people in place to give, give him all the information that's on the headset and so he knows what his options are I'm sure in the moment he probably didn't react the way he wanted to but uh, he's, this is his first time doing this so I think it's just kind of growing pains and uh, they won the game so it didn't hurt him too much but clearly it was an issue um, last Thursday yeah I saw a chart um, just it was a ch- ranking of coaches making analytically sound um, decisions and at the top was I, I believe it was Matt Lafleur at the bottom and Rich Basaccio was in the bottom three so not great it just stinks that you know he it is a learning experience for him he's never done it but he has to learn in expense of the Raiders who are in playoff contention 
So, you know, that's just kind of the thing they're dealing with right now. Maybe the speeches just win by enough points where it doesn't really matter. The, play, you know, the clock management won't matter if you win by 14 points every week. So that should be a speech to the guys in the locker room. Like, hey, let's win by more points and don't worry about the clock stuff. I know uh, Edge Sports does a uh, does their like coach rankings and through uh, I'm looking at it through uh, through week 12 they've got Passaccia slash Gruden so they, I guess they're combined um, at 24th uh, Mike Tomlin is the worst coach in the NFL according to them Robert Saul is 31 they have Brandon Staley number one and Lafleur number two I mean Staley's got the same record he's six and five too. And uh, like I said earlier, everybody loves him, but he's six and five too, and that's a team that has Justin Herbert at quarterback and has been scuffling on offense here and there. So it's easy to kind of focus on the Raiders' flaws, but there's a lot of there's there's teams out there in this division that are that are pretty much just as flawed as this team. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's been a weird year in the NFL, and it's, it's wide open, I and mean, that's why it's at six and five they're it's clearly in the hunt. And I think they can whatever, whichever team kind of cleans up their mess a little bit and. Accentuates the positives down the stretch will definitely be in the playoffs. And the Raiders uh, can be one of those teams. All right. It's time to make picks. Raiders are, uh, you know, obviously we don't go against the spread, but the Raiders are a two and a half point favorite at home against Washington. Who wants to lead off? Well, we're all going to pick the Raiders, right? I imagine they, who's picking Washington? They can go first. Aha. I'll pick Washington. You are? There you go. Go first. <laughs> it comes down to. This is a team that it seems like every every time we expect that they've got something figured out and that, okay, yeah, they, they, they've got this, it turns in the opposite direction. When we figure, when we, when we give up on them, we gave up on them going into the Cowboys game, boom, they come and win. So it's an unpredictable team. So I'm going to go uh, go with the opposite of, of the expectation and I'm going to take Washington. Their defense plays pretty well. And we'll call it a 27-24 win for Washington. Mm. Hey, his team is different, Jimmy. Didn't you hear Derek Carr say it like eight times this year? I've heard him yeah. say it about a million times in the last five, six, Yeah, I'll, years. I'll, uh, I'll go with the Raiders. Why not? Let's say 24-17 home win. I think they uh, win it by a score. Washington's defense plays pretty well, but I think their offense is pretty much mediocre. So I think the, the Raiders defense has a big bounce back week and they, they get the win. Yeah. Jimmy referred to a bunch of the, the suckers who kind of bounce back and believe again. I'm one of those suckers who thinks they're back on the, in the right spot. I think they should win this game easily. I, um, I should probably wear like a Taylor Heineke jersey next week if they lose this game. But uh, I got them winning, I'm going to say, tw- I'm going to say something 30. I'm going to say 30 to 20 uh, Raiders win. Yeah, I think – it's going to be an ugly game, but I think the Raiders pull this win off. I think they win 24-21. Well, they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick against them just to give us uh, the hedge. Whenever we all... Clearly right. When they're, you think they have it figured out, they don't. And definitely there's um, this classic... You can't say trap game because obviously Washington's not a bad team, but there are definitely elements of this game where you have to be worried about the Raiders responding the way they should respond, and we'll see what happens. All right, well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. If you guys haven't checked it out, we've got a special gift sale going on right now. You can get 50% off if you want to score that perfect gift for the holidays. Hook somebody up with a athletic subscription. So check that out, and we will be back on Sunday when the Raiders take on the Washington football team, and you get to say hi to Jack Del Rio. All right, Joe. Later, guys. Adios.